iPod, iPad, I paid, I peed and I shitted. So, so how I saw it was Jacob is both iPad and iPod, and no. then you're like I paid, and then I'm like I peed and I shit it. <laughs> you gonna Photoshop our faces into that? Now? <coughs> yeah. Spencer crying. Spencer's crying. This is the second time tonight that he's completely lost his shit at his stupid ass meme. <laughs> Yeah, well, this one was definitely funnier. It says pee and poop jokes. <laughs> Why buy a comic that would cost more than a dime? Come meet the brothers who are here to waste your time. Welcome back to the Dime Comic Bros Podcast. Hi. I just died laughing because Colin's apparently funny. I'm apparently funny. It's my weep said. self. Little bit with of my old funny jokes. Haha, my memes. Haha. Jacob, what do you think about my joke? I still think that meme is so boomer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it very much so is. Boomer AF. I peed and I shitted. Alright. That's a new And I came. Oh. Let's go to the news. Off Three to nude. the news. Three nude news dudes. Oh. Back at you this week. Oh gosh, running jokes are bad. Yes! So we got a special look, meaning another teaser, uh, for The Mandalorian Season 2. Stop teasing us! I haven't watched it. October 31st is... 30th. Eight days away! Um, is it yeah. the 30th? 30th. Seven days away! It's basically the same footage that was in the TV spot, but rearranged. There's it literally is nothing new. One whole week from now. You don't need to yell about it, you boomer. Eh? Yeah. Um, so this one is, I'm not going to label it a rumor because it's not a rumor. It's just from a slightly newer source, which I trust, but I'm not going to say is necessarily gospel. Um, have an article from theculturednerd.com, quote, sources close to the culture nerd have confirmed Ben Affleck has signed on for more films as Batman, as well as his own HBO Max series. This news comes after an exclusive from Vanity Fair in August, confirming Affleck would return to the cowl for Andy Muschietti's The Flash. That's where you should insert that clip of me screeching about it. Wow! I'll probably just use sexual sound effects anytime you mention Zack Snyder or Justice League or the Snyder Cut or the Snyder Cult. Hey, just anytime it's gonna be like. Hey, ah! hey, can I can I uh, can I give you some samples right now? No, can I finish reading? No, wait, wait. Can I finish my freaking news article? Ah! Oh yeah. There you go. Okay, you're done. That sounded like you last night. Because <laughs> it was. <laughs> Our sources have now confirmed Affleck intends to continue his role as the Dark Knight as he has signed on to appear in an undisclosed amount of films featuring his version of Batman. It remains to be seen which of these, which films these are exactly, end quote. If this is true, color me excited, to say the least. Uh, it's gonna be more than excited. Gonna be... It's gonna look like in Scary Movie when... They're uh -oh. doing the do, and it's like fire hose of uh, Milk. adult content from the I hate you because you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, shut up. Also, I'm going to keep the game even, keep the game fair. Every time Colin mentions Mike Mignola or the, the 
Fist from Hell, whatever Hellboy has, is his right hand. I fist of Doom. Yeah, whatever. The fist that's in Colin's asshole. And whenever you say keep your politics out of my books, we have to make a boomer noise for you. All right. Arr! There it is. Uh, another article. Extra um, sound effects in the show, folks. From thehollywoodreporter.com, quote, Zack Snyder's new Justice League cut is getting some killer laughs. Oh, yeah. A really bad pun. Jared Leto, who played classic DC villain the Joker in 2016 Suicide Squad, has joined the additional photography shooting for The Snyder Cut, the filmmaker's definitive version of the 2017 superhero movie he was forced to exit and he never saw through completion. Multiple sources tell The Hollywood Reporter, end quote. I meant to tell you to cut that terrible pun, and I might just do it myself, because it's so bad. But also, Jared Leto as the Joker in Snyder Cut. Colin, what do you think? Uh, um, honestly, I don't think I can have too much of an opinion on Jared Leto because we didn't get to see really much of him or really his true potential. So I guess I'm excited to see where it goes, but I don't have my hopes very high. So you like Pimp Joker? I want to explore the idea of Pimp Joker. I'm with Colin. Um, the <sighs> fact that it's pretty well demonstrated that he got really, really screwed over by what happened with Suicide Squad is evident. Um, Zack Snyder did have influence over <coughs> what was going on with Suicide Squad. Not a lot, but he was a producer on it. And he was, you know, a collaborator. So it ultimately had to get at least some form of a soft approval by him for whatever reason. Uh, and this isn't... The Joker isn't getting added entirely to the movie. This is more stuff on top of what was already in there. This was already teased a while ago. There's at least a little bit of Joker footage in this movie. So I'd be willing to bet it's going to be represented a little bit differently by a different director. And also not so. getting edited by a you know trailer company. Oof. Yeah. Yippee, this really did break the internet and everybody lost their minds in the bad sense. And everybody thought 2020 couldn't get any worse. Which was kind of disheartening. So, like, come on, just let the man live in peace. Is it going to be the same exact Joker, you think? Like, with the gold teeth? and Yeah, you can't change that. Like, you can, change the, out you can okay. change the outfits, and you can modify, like, the hair and the hair color a little bit. And you can, like, tone down mannerisms, but you can't just fundamentally change a character. So, so uh, backtrack for a quick second, and correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Jared Leto one of the people that wanted the Joker movie not shown no he didn't want them to be making it in the sense of he got screwed over so hard that he was really pissed about them just letting somebody else do whatever they wanted and didn't they didn't he try to go he went out of his way to try to get it not made it's mostly unsubstantiated where where that what that actually was that that basically that sentence was the only thing that got spread around there was okay. no specifics or anything by no means do i doubt that that did happen and he was obviously very upset about that but it Imagine that that could have definitely like made people be like, oh, he was even worse of a Joker, but just yeah. because he oh, was like butthurt about that. Yeah, I mean, think about it. He was signed on for a multiple film contract. He was given all of this. He, he whether or not you think he should have been method acting or not, he did put a lot into it. <laughs> they ripped the crap out of it, like in the editing room, and then they just told him to go <laughs> off, and they didn't even put him in Birds of Prey, and they yep. used a stunt double for that. So, uh. You know, I can understand being a bit angry about that. Even <clears throat> yeah, if it is a, a little bit petty, it, it's understandable, creatively so, speaking. So, okay, uh, back to what you were saying. 
you can modify a character, but you can't like entirely reinterpret it. Oh yeah, I actually enjoyed the most idea. of the things that he had to his character. Yeah. A little bit less tattoos. I think the grills were a little bit much, but I, I think, actually really like the grills. But I think they can those they work. I think they're a little bit much, but I do I don't mind some like fake teeth. Yeah, like because there's... of course Batman has punched a crap ton of teeth out of him. Oh, yeah. You cannot have Batman have been fighting Joker for this long without him having teeth being blown out of his face. Oh, yeah. It's just a matter of... I, I like most of the ideas. I think it's just the fact that they're all trying them all at the same time, and that's a bit overwhelming, because mm -hmm. you want him to be not self-serious and obnoxious, <clears throat> which plays very well off of the extremely self-serious Batman. So it makes sense. You don't... You want to hate him. It's the Joker. You're not really supposed to like him. You're supposed no. to, He's supposed to be the most annoying shit on the planet. Most people enjoy the Joker. Right. And that's they're the, the most annoying I think shit that's, on the planet. Right. I think that partially uh, had to do with that negative reception. Not that it wasn't really poorly uh, shown in the movie we did get, but people don't necessarily want... Like, people do just want to watch a Joker. They can enjoy watching. <clears throat> people like the Mark Hamill interpretation. People even like the Legend people... one, obviously. I think people have a hard time enjoying other Jokers after uh, Heath Ledger yeah. because they don't understand the point of Heath Ledger's Joker True. or the whole Nolan. I think people I think it's overrated considering uh, the perception of how people see those movies because they forget that this is based in a real uh, in a semi-realistic world. It's a drastic reinterpretation. It's yes. a phenomenal one in terms of, of course. on screen. I would still say it's definitive, but it is a massive reinterpretation. Because of it's what... not, it's not really like Batman. Because Bane doesn't have venom. Joker, it wasn't like toxic waste. This is all like realistic, I and mean, they're that's, all that's, terrorists. That's really that's but, surface level. Stuff. Well, no, like, no, no, fundamentally no, speaking, it is a reinterpretation. No, of... but it's a surface. It's a surface level starting with Batman. But think with all these like comic. Things these are very comic definitive attributes of these characters, correct? Oh, yeah. So that means that there's no other superheroes in the world other than Batman. So there's no Superman, there's no superpowered being, there's no aliens. We know this, and with people trying to compare all these other like Batmans and super and like Jokers with this one. It's kind of like trying to compare apples with oranges. And that's what I've always viewed that as with most <clears throat> comic book characters and different interpretations. It's not saying you can't compare them. Like the two, I'd say, I, I think would you say can the compare two the most movies. popular ones. Yeah, you can compare the movies in terms like of like a cinematic, uh, uh, cinematography, coordination, yeah, like stuff like that. You can compare stuff, those, but, in but terms you can't of... compare the like. You can say which story is better in your opinion, but you can't like really compare them. Right, because all, their all own of them thing. are They're different types entity. of interpretations with different goals in mind. Even comparing the two most popular ones, which have a lot of synergy with each other, being Heath Ledger and Walking Phoenix. They're still very different interpretations, yep. even though they're d easily the two closest ones. Yep. Um, visually, uh, and like a whole bunch of other things, but they're still very fundamentally different. Oh, yeah. One is a man with a plan. The other one is literally a man just fumbling his way through life and finding out that people agree with him. It, it, they're very different. They have different goals, different audiences. Mm -hmm. It's just the more connective tissue with those two is more the surface level stuff. There's face paint. There's no chemicals. It's really grungy and gritty, and they're not super funny. They have a really dark sense of humor. If they're funny at all, they're more, they're very self-serious for the most yep. part. And there's nothing wrong with that, but no. I think 
that I, I think you have a point is people are looking for, I don't want to say the wrong things because it's entirely valid to look for those things, but comparing them is just a very dumb idea because they're there for different reasons. Uh, this also makes sense why the uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League trailer had the Joker card in there. That makes even more sense. Yep. Uh, moving on to the next topic. Well, wait. Well, what are they going to do with Joker in the story? Where, so what the, uh, does he have to do? So there were some leaks which were semi-legit but weren't um, confirmed by anybody close to production or anything that there is a sequence in Arkham Asylum near the beginning of the movie that involves a breakout, and that's where Deathstroke is in this movie. That post-credit scene that we saw in the theatrical cut is not a what the post-credit scene was supposed to be, if there even was supposed to be one, um, and that's not how... Lex Luthor and Deathstroke were supposed to be in the movie. That's entirely half reshot and then CGI'd and cobbled together. That wasn't the plan. Right. So judging by that, and the fact that we knew Joker and potentially Harley were in this movie in some light cameo capacity, um, it makes the leak look more substantial. It was basically a script breakdown of the sequence. Is like a, I don't know, like a five-minute thing. There's a big breakout at Arkham near the beginning of the movie. There's interaction between all of those characters, and that sets up the fact that um, Lex Luthor was supposed to have a semi-decent role in this movie. Nothing huge, but he's important because he has his own notes and findings because he communicated with Steppenwolf before the end of BVS. So they're all in proximity to each other. Okay. Seems to be what it is, and one would assume based on. A comment that uh, Zach had made that there is at least another tease or two about the more of the Robin backstory. There might be flashbacks involved. Who knows? So it's not like they're adding a major role. It's they're doing the additional photography that basically a cameo. Right. He already yeah like a large cameo slash really small role that was already there. They're just expanding on it because they have more runtime they're allowed to fill out slash they might have needed to just do the regular additional photography they had scheduled that he didn't get to do. Cool. Um, All right. Pipe down. Gotta save it for next week. One more thing in terms of those um, <clears throat> the, that confirmed uh, well semi confirmed meaning like five minutes ago. Um, Somebody spotted Joe Manganiello, uh, who's the actor who plays Deathstroke, with his uh, Deathstroke hair a couple of days ago. Like, a lot of the actors that are doing all this additional photography, like Ray Fisher got his haircut, and it's like, you can tell they're all going back to set. Um, and apparently, it was confirmed within the past couple of hours before I finished, I mean, after I finished taking my notes, that Deathstroke is going to be getting more additional photography. So that's cool. I am a fan. Remember him in the movie at all? He was in the post credit scene. Ah, oh, that's why. I never made it that far. It wasn't supposed to be a post credit scene. Ugh. I'm not making a joke. I'm serious. I, I, I know. Not seen the credits to Justice League. Before the movie, the the real movie comes out, I think we should watch it. Yep. Oh. <laughs> We're gonna force you to finish it. He's not. Jacob, I'm the one most pained by watching it. You gonna force me it. to finish? I wanna force you to finish. <laughs> And you're gonna like it. <laughs> Moving on to our next piece of news, um, the Batman uh, is going to be using some of the virtual set technology that the is, Batman. That is uh, getting more popularized by the Mandalorian. Uh, it seems to be as a reaction to the pandemic. Um, they're just like, yeah, we have to. Seems like most movies are doing this now. Yeah. And we totally didn't see that happening. No, no, definitely not. The media was jizzing itself over 
the Mandalorian set when the Mandalorian did it, and everybody else in the world is like, what? What does this mean? You use black magic. So this is cool. It's not a groundbreaker. It's just something notable. Um, I'm excited. I'm just excited for the freaking movie. I'm Um, excited. We also got our first look at uh, Tom Holland as Nathan Drake in the Uncharted uh, movie adaptation. Oh, 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 that wasn't just someone like doing. No, that was real. Someone, no, so I thought someone was just like Nathan Drake, just like the name, just someone put a name under a picture of him. No, No, that's real. real. It looks really good. I'm I have huh. mixed feelings. I, I'm a I like video game adaptations, not because they're necessarily great, but I think they have a lot of good potential. Um, I have mixed Doom. feelings on. Shut up. We don't, <laughs> we don't talk about Lord either Croft. of those movies. The uh, old ones were mad. The new one's pretty solid, except for the fact that it was literally the video game, the first one. That's why it was better. Yeah, but I wanted something a little more than what I'd already played. Oh, I agree with you 100%. Oh my but gosh, they did to... make a live-action like, re- Yes. Also, I that's totally also getting a sequel pretty that. shortly. That's the same one that you were drilling over in Ex Machina. Alicia Vikander. Yes. Oh! Yeah. I, I actually quite enjoyed that movie. It, they, they have to start, you know, somewhere. It, yeah, it's not terribly original, but they do have to adapt something to get the idea of making an adaptation of a video game to actually work right. <laughs> Um, but I don't know how I feel about an Uncharted movie because nobody said if this was like in universe prequel or just a thing. Who freaking cares? But <laughs> we were uh, citing so that the listeners couldn't hear what we were saying. Just how very excited Spencer is to see Tom Holland as Nathan Drake. Now Jacob isn't is even more excited to see oh, Tom Holland as Nathan um, Drake. That's only a rumor. Anyways, uh, something that happened just before this, uh, Tom Holland put this picture out. He was like going back and forth with Sony's Twitter and having a fake PR argument about it. It was kind of funny. <laughs> uh, but the voice actor who portrays um, Nathan Drake in the actual games put North? out yes. Yeah. Put out a tweet with a couple of photos with him interacting with Tom and being like, "Solid kid, you know." This looks to be being cool, passing the baton, blah blah blah, like the usual BR wow. stuff. But it it was wholesome. It's it's cute. Did you give it a wholesome? I did award give it, on Reddit. No, I did give that it it's unofficial. I did give it a like. Did oh. not retweet. Oh, uh, that is the end of the news. Wow. I know, right? The news is really a diminishing After area DC of our After DC fandom, it kind of slowed down. That's all right. There's very little Marvel news because they are. Not doing well with the pandemic right now, it would seem. So, yep. All right. So, on yeah. to uh... what have we been reading? I'll start off. Oh, uh, yeah, dude. What have you been reading? So, I haven't been reading anything. I'm already out. Wow. That was fast. So, Jacob. Nope, you're next. We are going in a clockwise fashion. Oh, we're going clockwise. Clockwise. Clockwork. All right. Um... Clockwork Orange. <coughs> I haven't seen, seen it, that, actually. It's a really good movie. Uh, so I read Black Panther, Man Without Fear, which is a 17-issue miniseries published over 2012 and 2013. Wow. Uh, written by David Liss, illustrated uh, primarily by Francesco uh, Francavilla. I still haven't looked up how to pronounce his name correctly. Um, You're a terrible reporter. How yeah. was the series? I know. Uh, really, really good. 
So, long story short, this is set shortly after Shadowland. So, Daredevil Ooh. has um, done many nasty things and decides to leave Hell's Kitchen to go find himself and do other stuff and to go redeem himself, straighten things out, whatever. Also, during that time period, uh, Black Panther lost real bad to Doctor Doom, pretty much, <laughs> um, and has lost the throne and has uh, gotten rid of his powers. So he's he wants to go on a journey of self discovery to an extent, uh, refine himself. So so he and Daredevil find themselves together. No, that sounds like a good rom com though. I know. Um, that is the M the, the Netflix MCU revival we really need. <laughs> um, no, so he becomes the protector of Hell's Kitchen for a while. Uh, just to him, he doesn't even call himself the Black Panther for like quite a while. It's just him in some regular like, balaclava and black combat clothes. Um, so it's him getting his mojo back, so to speak. Uh, he doesn't contact anybody. He bumps into Luke Cage a few times, who he tells to basically go screw himself, because he's trying to do all of this on his own. He doesn't talk to his wife, who is still Storm. Um, so, you know, he goes on, they go on a hiatus. So it's just him and various mob things. I don't need to describe the full plot of the series, but it's him coming across <clears throat> the various different types of people that live in Hell's Kitchen. It's a lot of very interesting, very diverse mini-stories that are going on in the whole thing. Um, the plot is pretty neat. It's got a uh, uh, Eastern European, I cannot, I believe he's Romanian, um, mob boss, but he doesn't operate like Kingpin did. He's not, you know, hey, you bring me bad news, I'm going to kill you now. Like, hey, you bring me bad news for your loyalty, I pay you and I give you a better job. So he operates very differently. I thought the art was really, really good. Um, there's another artist whose name I did not know down, if I'm being honest, um, who also did some of the pencil work for a few of the issues. Really like it. It has a bit of a... It, it's somewhere in the dark noir. It looks like a Daredevil book, for the most part. It's nice. a bit noir. It's very dull, like burgundy and black. Very, very shadowy. Um, looked very good. Consistent. Very nice faces. Something that I know we've talked about a lot recently is people, artists having very funky faces on that. Yep. So, very strong recommend. One of the better Black Panther uh, series I've read. Nice. So, Jacob. I read The Button, which came out in 2017. It is a four-part crossover storyline with Batman and The Flash. It was written by Joshua Williamson and Tom King. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Spencer, because you recently researched all of the timelines and multiverse noise. I, I thought this was the prequel to Doomsday Clock. It's sort of ish. So it opens up with the Batman having the button from the very first frame of Watchmen, which is their Joker's button, not the DC Universe's Joker. They're Joker oh, sorry, the comedian. Yeah, the comedian. Joker sorry. equivalent. The comedian's button, <clears throat> who is killed in the first few pages of Watchmen. <clears throat> uh, it's become like the calling card of the series as a whole. Yes. Very, so, very pretty. Nice art. Uh... The button somehow showed up, but that wasn't explained in the button. It, Batman was already investigating it, trying to figure out where it came from. And he's working with the Flash 
to try to travel time or something and figure it out, and Reverse Flash is being an asshole and hindering them. Did and... you like that freaking... <clears throat> Did you like that fight, is the question. Which one? Uh, the Reverse Flash and um, Flashpoint Batman fight. I don't remember. That's sad. Never mind. I mean, there were a Before lot he gets of... a sword put through him. Wow, I must have slept through that one. <laughs> There's Continue. four issues here. Continue. Uh, there were a lot of bright flashes and, and particle effects, but I thought that the story didn't really go anywhere. It just kind of teased Doomsday Clock with the button, and we already knew that, so... Meh was how I walked away from that, unless I really missed something. Do you have anything to add? Not really, no. I read it once when it came out, and I haven't touched it since. I do want to go buy it and read it again, because I will also be reading Doomsday Clock shortly, so I do want to get some more information to, to polish my knowledge a little bit better. So I'm not going off of what I read four years ago, and then lots of wiki information. It's not the only thing you're polishing. It's called polishes knob. Uh, overall, very easy skip. It... As far as I could tell, it doesn't add anything to Doom Clock. Uh, Doomsday Clock. Doom Clock, Doomsday. All. Doom Clock, always. Always Doom Clock, Spencer, Tuesday. what else have you read? Uh, so I read the Star Wars Darth Maul uh, miniseries. It's a five-issue miniseries that was published in 2017. Ooh. Uh, written by Cullen Boss and illustrated by Luke Ross. Um, this probably has the best Star Wars art in a comic I've seen. Dang. Um, they, hmm. they all aim in a similar trajectory, which I'm sure you guys have seen if you've opened them up. They are, they're fairly similar. They aim for a similar type of style and semi-realism. They like to be pretty close to how the movies look. Well, I've read a lot of the old school Legends comics, but I haven't yeah. read anything. I mean, the, the current, the current canon stuff. Yeah, they they aim to, sometimes it can be a little too samey, but they aim to be very similar to each other. Is so it they... still Marvel publishing it? Yes, because um, they're owned by Disney. <laughs> it's always got to be Hail, Emperor Mickey! Yes. Um, so this probably has the best Star Wars art I've seen. Um, it has a really nice voiceover by Maul. It's a lot of internal dialogue. Um, so it, it's this is a prequel to The Phantom Menace. This is Maul um, being angry, which I know for Darth Maul is pretty normal. But this is him trying to uh, satiate his bloodlust while, like, while they're still in hiding, before uh, Sidious allows them allows Maul to reveal himself and go after Jedi. I like. So he's being sneaky, and he finds uh, like he gets into a bar fight, which is pretty funny. Um, sneaky, he, angry Maul. Yes, he teams up with some of the bounty hunters we already know, uh, like Cad Bane and Ora Singh, which is pretty cool. Um, he ends up going behind Sidious's back to find a Padawan who's basically on the black market just so he can kill her um, because he's that freaking bloodthirsty. It's great. Like, he's relived other Sith's memories through various other means. So, like, when he says, you know, at last we will have our revenge, it's not just literally him. He means the Sith because he has a lot of their own memories. It's, you know, force things. Um, Badass. Yes. But this was a nice little read, fairly simple plotting. But the fact that he went behind Sidious's back, Sidious knew about it in the end, and he's still like, no, nah, I'm not going to kill you because Sith are supposed to be sneaky and, you know, doing stupid things and going around their masters, so you're fine. Which was kind of funny. Um, but I would definitely recommend this as just like a, a short read. It took me like 45 minutes maybe. Um, 
like I said, some of the best Star Wars comic art um, out of all the, the stuff that I've read. So, so then, Jacob, uh, do you want to talk about... I read... Uh, no, sorry. I listened to DC Universe Trail of Time by Jeff Marriott. Marriott. What is that? Marriott. No. That's going to get you a boo sound effect. <laughs> oh. Um, I tried researching it, and I cannot figure out what it originally was. If it was originally this audiobook, or if it was originally like a paperback novel, or if it was a comic. I think, if I had to guess, it was originally the novel, and then only the audiobook after that. It was never put to pictures. Weird. It's, How did you find this thing? Uh, a long time ago, Humble Bundle had a bundle on DC Universe audiobooks. And I was like, fake it. <laughs> um, and I've been slowly picking through them, but they kind of suck. Interesting. Uh, huge meh. Huge. From this one. The plot is basically a copy of uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. And they even reference it in the story. Well, that's there's... not meta at all. No! So, there's the original Earth, and there's a crappy copy of it. Uh, the crappy copy is all gray with a red sun, so Clark Kent is only Clark Kent and has never been Superman. But Phantom Stranger and Jason Blood. I don't know if they made him up for this book or not no the demon etchigan i'd yes. never heard of him really go to the crappy copy world and tell clark kent that he's the savior uh of the other earth because this one is just a crappy copy made by three powerful magicians from the other earth that they want to control so they made the crappy copy to take over the original earth and they're gonna come together at some point and it's going to smoosh out the other earth to leave the copy that the mean old magicians can control. Did Etrigan <sighs> rhyme? All the time. Good. 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 Very good. Um, so my notes say that the villains overcomplicated their plan, as you could tell by my run-on sentence describing the plot. Yeah. I did not appreciate that there was a huge... Alright, so I have to back up. Uh, Superman, Phantom Stranger, and the Demon Entergan have to figure out when in time the three magicians did a blood sacrifice by killing millions and millions of people to have enough magic to create the crappy copy that will eventually take over the original Wonderful Green Earth. So they travel through time looking at all the times that millions and millions of people have died and see if that massacre is the one that created the crappy copy. So after about the third one, there is a huge preachy section about how awful humans, and they were clear to specify especially the white man, uh, are responsible for killing millions in history. Uh, and how awful we should feel about it. This so, seems complicated and manipulative. And boring. Wicked boring. It was about six hours long, 
maybe a little more for this stupid freaking book. Hmm. Uh, the only thing I really liked about this book was how much of a part Jonah Hex played in the story. Whoa, I, only, I haven't heard that name in a while. I only saw his books I on the shelf. I haven't heard that name in a long time. <laughs> long, long, long time. Long time. I always knew that someday you'd come walking through my door. Anyway, uh, I'd give it a one and a half stars. Do not recommend. Out of five? You'd even give it a star? Interesting. I will say the vague plot of the time-hopping murder blood sacrifice stuff sounds fun. To me, anyway. That that sounds more intriguing than the setup. Not really, though. I mean, it was kind of a history lesson. There were things that I didn't know about, but I like history and I like yeah. Sacrifice. That's what I'm saying. That the, the history was fine. But... I like sacrifices. Um, also, the I meant to say that the storytelling was pretty clunky. It didn't flow well. Characters were acting kind of randomly sometimes. Uh, things like that. So, not stonks. No, not stonks. That's very sad. Uh, so I read another uh, Star Wars Darth Maul book, which is um, Son of Dathomir. It's a four-issue miniseries uh, written by Jeremy Barlow and illustrated by Juan Frigeri. You say Juan, and all I see is the horse that has been on Reddit this week. So this is an adaptation of uh, four different uh, Clone Wars scripts that were left over when the show got canceled. Oh. It really shows, if I'm being honest. So I read th read this book hearing all of the Clone Wars voices, it finishes off, uh, well, it caps off the end of Darth Maul's story um, from well, where we left it in the end of uh, season six, where he gets taken by, he gets defeated by Sidious, taken hostage, taken hostage, and then we, years later, come back when season seven came around, um, and then he is already loose doing his own thing. This comic is what's in between those two things. Um, okay. Came out in like 2015 when the Clone Wars was told it was never coming back. So there's like a, I think like 50 scripts that they had ready to go that never got um, either finished or made into episodes. This was a few of them. Another one of them is uh, Dark Disciple, one of the best canon Star Wars books. It's about Quinlan Vos and Asajj Ventress. It's amazing. Mm. It was like gonna be like a 10 uh, episode arc of the Clone Whoa. Wars. Yeah, it's big. It's really, really good. It also ties big. in with this a little bit because it involves the Night Sisters. Um, so Would that be the ones from Jedi Fallen Order? Yes. Yep. Cool. Dathomir. So anything involving Dathomir, I am stupidly interested. In. Yep. Um, so this definitely feels like four episodes of the Clone Wars. It's a, it's big and dramatic. Basically, um, Darth Maul escapes from Sidious because of Death Watch. They they take him. Get away from Sidious. They retaliate against him. So uh, Sidious seeks out Grievous, Grievous and Dooku to get Maul. They go back and forth a couple of times. So we get interaction uh, between characters that we don't usually get interaction from. Of you know, you know, Dooku, Maul telling Dooku is like you know he's gonna replace you just like he replaced me with you. Mm -hmm. You're gonna be getting betrayed. Yeah. Uh, Grievous actually kicks ass in this book. What? Which is something that you that in a lot of a lot of the unfinished material, Grievous was actually pretty intimidating. Which the is last time I saw him being intimidating was in two thousand three. Yeah, 
See, that's the thing, is there are a lot of in places... In a Lego Star Wars game? <laughs> in <laughs> Star Wars Clone Wars. He was a yeah. boss fight. That <laughs> yeah, was a very good boss fight. Um, really? Yes. I don't so, remember it being that good. It's a Lego boss fight. Um, yeah. All kind of fine. Yeah, so oh, it was pretty cool. Fun. He straight up, like, they all kick ass. It's a lot of showdown. There's magic involved with... Um, is it the Night Mother, whatever her name is? Um, the Night Sisters. Yeah, there are no Night Sisters in it because most of them are dead already. Um, oh. But there's a lot of magic getting tied into it. So Maul's mother, like, actually finally dies. Sidious and Dooku and Grievous Killer. It's a big magic team up. Dooku gets possessed for a little while. It's really cool. I like it when Star Wars has magic. Mm-hmm. I like Me it. Too. I like because it it's not a cult but it is reminiscent of it but it's not excessive it it works it's, it's just another a different form. religion of the force right we it's have another like form three of... other like groups in star wars that have like their their religion is revolved or cult was revolved around the force but right. not like sith and jedi right so we have the sith and the jedi which are a bit of a a, a one cult they're one coin then you yeah. have the uh, magic users, which are another form of it. Mm-hmm. And then you have like the the Church of the Force, more towards the sequel trilogy era, where there's a lot of force, like slightly force sensitive and non force sensitive people who mm-hmm. are following parts of the Jedi Order and more so um, respecting the lineage that comes with it. So you have people like Maz Kanata and um, all those sorts of folks. Yeah. So I really do like that. Um, it's just a different form of force expression, so it's not really magic, but it, it looks like magic, also because it's green and spooky. Mm-hmm. So, I like it. Um, I like the sound of this. Where did you read these? Uh, I own both of them in trade paperback. Oh! So, yeah, it has good art. It's not as good as the other Darth Maul book, but this, I think, has the best action, like, panel to panel. It's stupidly easy to follow. It flows very smoothly. Like I said, you can tell this was probably storyboarded by someone on the Clone Wars team, so it was yep. adapted into a book. So the structure's already there. It's it, The battles are short and to the point, which goes a long way in a, a miniseries. You don't have a lot of time to kill. Yep. Um, would recommend. It's just not as in-depth as the other Darth Maul series, which ranks it slightly lower in my book. Uh, Jacob. Yes. Are you going to talk about that thing now? Yes, I'm going to talk about the thing now. Oh, we gotta, so we're going to talk about Doomsday Cock. Yes. Sorry, Doomsday Clock. Speaking of Doomsday Cock, Dr. Manhattan's dick is definitely smaller in this series compared to original Watchmen, and I have a theory about that. Please tell me about this theory. I think Dr. Manhattan's dick is smaller in Doomsday Clock because it's, what, 30 years later? Yes. And he's, like, wicked chiseled in Doomsday Clock, like, more so than he was in Watchmen, so I think he was taking little blue steroids, and that's why his junk is smaller. That's an interesting theory. Um, Probably likely answer is... His junk's pretty small on this panel right here. Actually, his balls are, like, really big yeah they were the same the balls were the same in Tuesday clock but i think his dick is bigger there anyways um, anyway uh Tuesday clock i i actually no i think it's just an art style difference but <laughs> but <laughs> there is also the possibility that they had to uh make it less ob- not less obvious but a little bit less gratuitous because this was published in a mainline dc book 
This was just published uh, whenever it was published, because the publication history was a mess. 2017 to 2019, for anybody wondering. Yeah, it's only 12 issues. It was all over the place. But this was just thrown out there as a regular trade. Like, this is an important book in DC canon, so they probably... The artist was probably told, hey, maybe don't make it quite as gratuitous. That's my theory. Regardless. Maybe. But there were some really harsh cursing in this book which i mean i didn't see does like, batman say f i don't think so that's disappointing but almost everything else in the book is in there hmm. the the curse word book not not doomsday clock book gotcha so um, uh, thanks for tuning in to listen to the important things about <laughs> books <laughs> plot wise uh and story wise jacob why don't you tell us some of your thoughts about doomsday clock yes so i read volumes one and two, not the super cheap trade that came out last week, all in one beautiful binding. Which is what I will be purchasing shortly. Curses Upon My Life, <laughs> that came out like two days after I bought freaking two volumes instead of one. Written by Jeff Johns, and I did not write down the artist's names and pencilers and all those guys, but they are important. Go look it up. Um because they made very nice looking art. Uh, that is my first note. Uh, the story moves along at a really decent pace, but uh, at the end of volume one, I still wasn't sure what the story was about, like what was driving the characters. So um, we see the Watchmen characters uh, figure out a way to come into the DC universe. This takes place after the original graphic novel, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, 20 to 30 years after. Watchmen characters figure out how to come into the DC universe because they are looking for Dr. Manhattan because reasons. And that was the reason I didn't understand the story so far at the end of volume one because they were looking for Dr. Manhattan for reasons. Uh, they made two new characters, uh, Mime and Marionette, um, along with a new Rorschach and Ozymandias. I had a hard time remembering his name. All come into the DC universe. And so, almost, in the way you said that, to, to clarify, it sounded like you said there is a new Ozymandias. No. Okay, so you have original the, Ozymandias. You have the original Ozymandias and the three new characters. New Rorschach. And then, and then the two okay. new characters, gotcha. Mime and Mimic. Mime's the male. Or, sorry, not Mimic. Uh, Marionette there you go. is the female. Okay, I just wanted to clarify. I was like, wait a minute. And they are a couple. Aww. They immediately split up upon arrival in the DC universe. Well, that's not smart. Uh, Ozymandias goes after Lex Luthor. Big surprise. Yeah. Uh, Mime and Marionette go after Joker. Wow. And Rorschach finds... Batman? Wow. <laughs> Got him. Wow. Wow. Shocker. I, I have to say that I really liked how all the characters interacted with each other. It was really, really good chemistry, I guess? That'd probably be the way to phrase it. Um, some interesting twists, too, on how characters reacted. Because we've always wondered, you know, how would Batman react if he met Rorschach and, and things One like that. One would hope punch the ever-living shit out of him. <laughs> Spencer's not a Rorschach fan. No, I love Rorschach the character, but Rorschach is... He's a, a dick. He's a fascist moron. Anyway. He's, 
We know this. This is canonical information. Interesting twists in how they react, and they yes. work well together. I really liked... I think that's what carries the, the volume one, to be honest, is how well the story moves with the characters meeting each other and getting along with their antics. So when does the Big Blue Boy Scout go meet the Big Blue Chode? Who's the second one? That's Dr. Manhattan. Who's the first one? The Big Blue Boy Scout. That's ah, alright, alright, alright. I, I was part. half listening and I got that. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> they only find Dr. Manhattan in the first issue of Volume 2. So that would be issue 6? 7. Oh. Oh yeah, that's how numbers work. <laughs> um, so that was a little weird. <clears throat> but let me get back to my notes. Uh, that was a tune. Make some oh, bangers. Yeah. So, listen, I wrote the theme song, okay? I have some minute musical skill, maybe. I like the tune. Or maybe I can just pirate stuff. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, they bring back the end of the issue special. Um, so, like, oh, I don't know. There's a file folder for Rorschach at the end of one of the issues or things yeah. like that. Um, That's good. I, I, I've always been a big fan of those things. I found that these weren't as dense and, dare I say, boring as original Watchmen. Oof. Some of those are heavy, man. I, I don't think I've read through all of them. I mean, it's the just fact like, that it looks like Ozymandias probably has, like... Snorefest. Yeah, okay. That's sad. Um, but I don't think they really add anything to the story. It's just, like, Flavor text, I guess. It's something different to look Flavor at. Flavor text? Yeah. That's a new term we should copyright. Thank you. It's not original. Oh. I don't know where I got it from. Volume 2 goes into Firestorm having a meltdown. Enter applause there. Uh, okay, boo. Um, and it kind of turns into Marvel Civil War. Superheroes should be freaking controlled and shit, and Superman's like, no, something weird's happening here, and he defends Firestorm, and then he gets in trouble and, like, beat up, so he's in a coma for most of the book. <gasps> Until... Uh, I believe it's issue eight or nine is all from Dr. Manhattan's point of view, which is very confusing. That's a very broad point of view. Because he's all over the timeline trying to figure out what the meaning of life is and stuff. So... One could say he has the high ground. You can boo me for that. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes to a head in issue 10 or 11 when Manhattan's still like... He, he comes into, like, the, the middle of town, basically, the middle of civilization, and is still like, I don't know what I should do, I can see the future, and it doesn't make sense, so I'm just gonna stand here and let the world burn. And then Superman gets up, and is like, is, looks to be a threat to Dr. Manhattan, because he's being so wishy-washy, but <laughs> Superman's like, Turns out to be super passive about it, and Manhattan's like, well, you're actually cool, and they work together and stop the end of the world and figure out who the bad guy is. So it doesn't sound that simple, or it doesn't turn out to be that simple. I'm really dumbing it down here, but probably the most interesting thought that I took away from this 
was back on how well the characters interact with each other. It's really interesting seeing Superman and Dr. Manhattan in the same story because both are uh, deified? Yes. Would be the term? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> so that was really interesting to see. And the, confu er, the ending is super confusing and is just a teaser for things that DC doesn't know what they're going to do with their lives about yet. So... <laughs> Typical DC. A decent read. I burned through it in three days. Solid. So... So having not read the entirety of this and having somewhat kept up with the plotting as it came out over the two-year period... The thing that really interests me, aside from the fact that my inner Alan Moore says that this thing should not exist because only the original Watchmen should exist, the rest of me that says, hey, this is an interesting idea, likes the fact, like a lot, that Dr. Manhattan realizes that every universe needs a Superman or will eventually have a Superman because that's how important he is to how the, like, the multiverse operates. I really, 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 really like that. That was all explained in the last... Uh, like 15 pages of yeah. the last issue. So, yes. And when I say explained, I use that term very loosely. <laughs> very loosely. I was very confused by it. Dr. Manhattan me. discovers the meaning of life, Superman, and hope. Bada bing, bada boom. Yep. Plot summary. So and you then, said the art was really good. Yep. That I haven't actually looked at the art very much because I didn't want to spoil anything for myself. I mean, it's, it's on glossy paper, so that helps. It's a, an improvement over original Watchmen in that regard. That's fair. I do like some matte paper on occasion, but in Watchmen it was a little rough. Literally, the, the pages were rough. Yeah. That was a really bad pun. So, uh, I had another thought. Oh, what I was really interested by was, at the end, uh, Lex Luthor pulls out a magical gun that he's kept in his vault for emergencies like this, I guess. Uh, zaps Comedian with it, so he goes back to the Watchmen universe, and then Manhattan's like, that's a really good idea, and starts zapping people back to Watchmen characters, back to the Watchmen universe, but leaves Mime and Marionette in DC universe. And they're like, but you said that we were going to see our kid because they were imprisoned and they were promised if they helped with the whole thing in the beginning of the first issue that they would get to see their kid. And he's like, yeah, I lied or they lied or something. Uh, we need an anchor to get back to this world later. So that's the anchor is your connection with your kid. So you're going to stay here and raise the kid that you're pregnant with. So it's I cannot. Huh. I'm interested to see what they do with these two new characters because I actually kind of liked the two new characters. I have heard nothing about those two being continued anywhere else, so now I'm really interested. Yes. Now I want to go Google it, but I have, and before I start wikiing things, I need to freaking read the thing. So, uh, like I said, I really liked how well they worked with Joker, so I kind of want a book with the three of them and see what kind of craziness happens Oh, wait a minute. Wait there. a minute. Wait a minute. Does this have this this theoretically could have something to do with three jokers also written by Jeff John? No. Probably not. I don't think so because I've read two of the three issues that are in that series, but but maybe. Anyways, any more thoughts on Doomsday Cock? Nope. I enjoyed the Doomsday Cock. Okay. Uh, so Everybody loves a little 
blue doomsday cock in their lives. So moving on to what we've been watching, Colin, what have you been watching? So just as much as he's been reading. <laughs> uh, I I I made a maybe a bad financial decision and bought three rebuilds of Evangelion, and I watched one. For how and... much? Go ahead, completely destroy the point of this show. 80 bucks for all three of them. Colin, you're a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help myself. I, uh, um, so, first, I think the rebuilds are actually a lot better than the classics. So this is basically reboot territory, right? <laughs> yes and no, okay. because there are elements to it that reimagining. Yes, in a way, oh, okay. but it, it references... It's one of the, those things. It references one of, like, things in the original... It's reimagining in better ways because it cuts down some episodes that really we needed something from that episode because every episode in the original had a purpose, but there's it could have been cut short or like smashed with another episode. So they kind of did that really well. These rebuilds are done really well, and it, and they add a, a new character. They cut a character from the move from the show. Which is was needed, and they developed a character better. Nice. All in all, really good. Ocean's red, and there's a blood stain on the moon. I love it. All right. So uh, I watched um, Where the Wild Things Are, which is a 2009 film adaptation of the uh, children's picture book from the 1960s. I don't know if you two grew up with this book, but I no. did. I remember that movie coming out. I never fin I never watched it. I'm gonna Same. I'm going to slightly soapbox for a minute, just because Jacob got to soapbox. Um, basically, don't it, be jealous of my soapbox. I like your soapbox. We love your soapbox. It's not just my soapbox. Jealous hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we go further, say soap. 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 So okay, now you're thinking about it. We keep saying soap. Soapbox. I there's a P. Soapbox. It's just soft. It's a we're saying soft. we're saying soapbox. It, no, I, soap I mean, box. I'm saying a okay, listen, It's just a soft listen, P. Listen, soapbox. 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 Yeah, there's a P in there. It's just soapbox. really soft. Anyways, um, so basically, it's a book about uh, when you're a kid and you have that level of like alienation from everybody. You're you feel very lonely and angry all the time, mostly angry, not because... Hello, darkness, my old friend. Nope, Welcome nope. Welcome to talk with you again. That's the movie. I'm getting there. Um, so it, it's a... This was my childhood book. Thanks, Mom. Um, this, was one one, <laughs> this was one of the ones my mom would read Hi, Mom. We love you. Because... <laughs> um, as at least one of the people in this room knows, I was a bit of an angry child. Uh, still am, but in different ways. So it's about um, not being able to, like, communicate with people, particularly adults. Like, you can't really, even when you're, like, 9, 10, you still can't communicate your needs or your wants very clearly. So you get angry and you do dumb things. Basically, kids, kid gets pissy, disrespects his mom, um, and he gets sent to his room without dinner. And then he imagines himself going to this magical place filled with wild things. They're big, weird animals. Um, so they party and have a what is called a rumpus which is basically just running around breaking things and swinging through trees and stuff. Um, so over the course of the very short book, I'm just putting a lot of meaning into what is a very short book. It's 
less than it's like 10 sentences of dialogue it's a picture book um discovers how to communicate better and like hey i need to be nicer to people there are better ways to communicate these things i am being a bit dumb um, even though not intentionally so the kid goes back home and he reconnects with his mother the movie takes this tiny little book and expands it into a feature film and it's really, really close to the spirit of how the book is, but it adds to it in very natural ways. Where'd you watch this? Uh, HBO. Max. Oh, it's on HBO Max. Yes. I'll watch it. The character's name is Max as well. Um, anyway, so it adds more to... The, the book is mostly about anger. Uh, the movie is about anger and loneliness because they're very, very tied together. And it's a subtle difference, but it means a lot in terms of like a, a movie because it changes how the mood is presented. For me, anyway, I connected with this movie so much when it came out in 2009 when i was eight slash nine years old that i blocked it out of my memory because it was such a harsh experience i loved it but i didn't understand why it was really painful to watch at the time um it is pretty dark i wouldn't say this isn't a children's movie you can still watch it with like a 10 year old but it is more of an adult looking back upon how you feel now about feeling those sorts of feelings when you're a kid which i'm saying feelings a lot it, does that make any sense? Like it's yeah, about an adult remin- right now. It's like an adult reminiscing about how it felt. Not we're gonna take a child and let them direct a movie about why they're angry all the time, but more an adult understanding their mm-hmm. own childhood feelings of hey, you know, like when your parents tell you, Hey, can you not bug me for like five minutes? I have things to do, you know, stop t- pulling on my sleeve for a second. And you feel like that like wrecks your world as a child because yeah. you feel rejected. It's like, no, they just need to like use the bathroom and get some space for a minute. So it goes over those things with greater understanding. So same basic plot structure. Um, the animals all have names. They interact with each other. Um, it's a very sad movie, but it, in, in the end, it is a very hopeful movie because the kid does reconnect with his mom. It's very, very heartfelt. There's a scene in the beginning where a bunch of slightly older kids wreck this kid's uh, snow cave, and it hurts really hard, which is such a weird thing to say, but like he initiates a snowball fight there's like six older kids they go ham on them like too much like you know when you do with kids you yep. um so wait a minute for the second week in a row you were crying over a child's uh fun shelter getting wrecked yes also the treehouse from adventure time referencing last week. i understand yes. yeah um so he makes this thing and he dives into it because he's trying to run away he's like all right i'm done with the snowball fight this is not my thing anymore and one of the kids literally jumps on top of it while he's in it which when you're like, the kid's probably like 13, 14, maybe 15, doesn't seem like a big deal. You're just playing around, but when you when you don't recognize uh, how it feels when you're younger, it can be recontextualized very negatively. Being overly aggressive, you're just being a dick for the point of being cruel. And it the way it's shot and how the kid reacts, is very it feels very real. His older sister sees all of this happen, they're her friends, um, and she doesn't really do anything, and just gets in the car and leaves, and it feels, it, demonstrates the feeling of feeling emotionally um, isolated. Yep. And then the, key, the the main character, Max, runs upstairs into his sister's room and uh, wrecks a gift that he made for her, which, you know, like one of those things you do when you're a kid, like it's nothing crazy now, it's like made of like popsicle sticks and construction paper. But when you're a kid, it's like everything you can do. And he freaking wrecks the place, he jumps all over her bed, the place is soaked with snow, just loses his shit and then by the end of it after being angry he starts crying and he like realizes what he did and he like scoops up this little 
popsicle stick and like construction paper heart and like tries to put it back together and he realizes that he can't and yeah it the whole movie's like that it this i can actually say is kind of pretentious but it, it is entirely in the themes of what the original book was about i very 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 strongly recommend both of you watch it it's really really good um the characters are phenomenal the costuming of these giant monsters is spot on it's excellent did you watch this movie with your girlfriend no i want to dude that is a missed opportunity right there i didn't I didn't know about it at the time. I'll be watching this with that. Once I started watching it... I don't know if I can watch this alone. I would not recommend it, honestly. Why? Um, Not... No, I mean, I recommend don't watch it by yourself. Oh, okay, okay. Because of that reason, and because some of our brainwaves are on the same level, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, I... This is a good movie to watch with somebody who you want to communicate with, but you can't always communicate with, so they can understand your feelings better about not being able to communicate. Anyways, um... I recognize that after I finished, I'm like, oh, okay, this is why I blocked it out. I was nine years old, and all of this stuff resonated with me, like, viscerally, and I didn't understand it. That gives me the same feelings of, like, when I lived in... It's like, just you saying this reminds me of everything. That was so lonely. Yeah. Um, so, really, really good movie. Criminally underrated. Did not get any money. Nobody really talked about it. But this is off-the-wall good. This is shot up to one of my favorite movies. I remember seeing that on uh, TV, like, commercials, like, trailers. I remember mm-hmm. seeing that on, like, Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon or something like that. Yeah. And I remember it got panned at the time because everybody's like, it's too dark for children. It's like, it really isn't. If you have, a, a, like, a pretty sensitive, like, eight-year-old, yeah, understandably so, like, control what your children intake as media. Like, parent, you know, don't just throw your kids in front of a TV. But if you have, like, a 10-year-old, 13-year-old, they're like, isn't an emotional wreck this is perfectly suitable i definitely say it's more suited for older audiences but like this isn't oh it's so dark and and edgy because it's for adults like no you can still watch it with kids no it's it's just made more for adults it's just more emotion it's more in touch with what it's trying to say yeah strong strong recommend uh jacob what Um, have you been watching uh, that is it wow so, I didn't watch a thing, but I played a thing that's really relevant, so I'm going to talk about it briefly. Okay. I played uh, the Telltale Games uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Ooh, I've been looking at that. Um, so, like every Telltale game, yes. rest in peace, Telltale Studios. Um, Moment of silence. Okay. Like most of their games, it is very, very fundamentally broken in yeah. terms of optimization like um, that time that i was playing the batman telltale game and he walked into a receptionist area and she was missing the back half of her head yeah like from the top of her forehead all the way to the base of her neck and like i'm like borderline what the f- what like borderline game breaking stuff um yep i would say this is more polished in terms of that like i didn't it didn't crash I didn't have any major issues with uh, textures loading. I was playing this on an Xbox One. Um, Were you able to woo Gamora? Yes. I'm in. <laughs> um, so the first thing when I loaded it up that was really disappointing, which I expected, this is really hampered by how much it's trying to capitalize on the MCU. Not in terms of intention, but in terms of like what you can see are like the higher-ups, either at Marvel or Telltale, saying, hey use designs that are really close to what the MCU has. Hey, 
use a lot of the same characters in a lot of the same ways. So that stuff for the first like episode, it's a five episode series, um, it's really, really obvious and it hindered it. Like the use of pop music from time periods past uh, for Peter Quill is a part of how Peter Quill has always functioned. It's just used in a very similar fashion to how it is in the mm-hmm. movies. But once you get beyond those things, what the writers were actually trying to tell, it's a phenomenal story. Cool. Like, really, really good writing. Um, aside from surface-level costuming uh, and some voice cues, I thought the characters were actually pretty unique takes. Um, Did you choose to woo Gamora? It's part of the plot. I wouldn't. I really wouldn't say woo. Like, we're a semi-couple by the end of it. But also, that's literally every Guardians of the Galaxy anything. You're always semi-a-couple with Gamora. That's almost that's, every relationship in comics. Also anyway. true. That's just how their relationship works. Um, yeah, so it wasn't very glitchy in terms of like comparing to other Telltale games, but it was still a little bit broken. Uh, it felt like they're they were trying to push it graphically speaking, like terms of like texturing, but the character models and how the worlds work just do not um, the way that they're built do not allow for that really so it can just be overload so when you say pushing graphics they were trying to become like 360 graphics yeah <laughs> they were trying to be on par with maybe current gen at best Oof. Uh, you can't even play this on last gen this is exclusively current gen and really? it was still yeah and it was still pretty rough um but i i really liked the take on um Thanos and Gamora and Nebula, I thought they did that really well. It's unique compared to the, the limited amount of Guardian stuff that I've read, um, as well as different from the MCU. Um, I don't know how much the story differentiates. I didn't go look at like a story tree to see how far the options went. I can guess that it's not super far. Um, there are certain large events that I think, obviously, like a lot of Telltale games, they kind of trick you into thinking there is a major choice, where right. it's mostly just in terms of nuance of how you get to those places. Yep. But I really like the, the character dynamics. I think Drax was done well, but still underserved in this game compared to everybody else. I really like Rocket. He sounds exactly like Bradley Cooper, and I was not a big fan of that. Though. That one was just too on the nose. Would recommend it. It takes eight hours, maybe nine, to play through if That's you're playing. Not bad. It's a usual Telltale game. It's uh, it's like two-ish hours per episode max. Just play through a lot of. You can tell when the dialogue is optional and you don't need it for information. It won't make any difference. So, it's relevant. Cool. Epic gamer. Um, you guys have anything else before we do the main topic? Uh, I started a new anime, but I uh, will talk about that next week. Okay. Well then. So, uh, we are going to talk about our main topic, which is uh, Kingsman The Secret Service, which is a 2015 action spy comedy film directed and produced by Matthew Vaughn. Uh, The screenplay written by Vaughn and Jane Goldman is based on Dave Gibbons and Mark Millar's comic book series of the same name. Uh, This is also set in the Millar-verse, which is just a bunch of comics that Mark Millar has written that are tangentially connected. Is Mark Millar related to Frank Millar? Uh, Frank Miller? No. What? They're two entirely separate entities. I thought... No. There's Unless a, I'm There really... is a Millar somewhere in Potentially. storage of my brain. I don't know, man. Uh, very much so. An R-rated movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, Colin. I don't think we need to give a, spy, a, a much of a summary. It is a spy movie about street trash becoming 
epic, well-dressed spy boy. Yeah, you gave a pretty good uh, summary when we were about to watch it. You're like, it's basically James Bond if he was a horny teenager and British. <laughs> sure. yeah. But also, sure. you specified it was like old-school James Bond where yeah. it's intentionally kind of hokey. Yeah, like... When the, it wasn't supposed... When it wasn't like, intentional. Oh, which was... So... Lay it on me, big boy. I can probably tell you. I'm thinking... Yeah, you do like Bond, like, a lot. So, obviously... Not a lot, but enough. I've seen them all. Um, okay, so I'm not super familiar with James Bond as a whole. So think like three quarters through, so before the really bad 90s ones. Okay. Before that, so post the really good early ones. So you're looking at late Roger Moore, okay, all that's of what Jimmy I was Dalton, or maybe Goldeneye. I'm thinking that's basically what I'm thinking of. So that area where it's like, it's it's hokey, it's not trying to be an absolute cornball of a movie. But it doesn't take itself too terribly seriously. It's a little self-aware. So probably the last couple Roger Moores. Something like that. Because uh, Timmy Dalton, when both Timothy Dalton movies were like trying to take a dark note, it was like trying to become really serious. And yeah. That's kind of why I like License to Kill. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. So it it's, I, I yeah. Colin made a good point that I made a good point. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, uh, so, Colin, what did you like about this movie? So, I really didn't care for the story or, like, some of the plot, but what I loved was just, like, the... Uh, the rocks in the jail scene at the end. You got are, really up in arms about I clearly <sighs> cut out of Star Trek-style styrofoam. Oh, yeah. I, beautiful. I just... I, I hated it. I hate those rocks, but what I love. Speaking of Goldeneye, it looks like the same quality rocks. <laughs> They're really bad. They're yeah. shiny. Yeah, I'm They're supposed the to be. They're rocks. They're supposed to be. Yeah. It's a spoof. It's half spoof, half serious. Okay. Well, anyway, what I enjoyed about it was just like whenever we got to see like the armory or just anything to do. You with... like the stuff. Yes, I like the stuff. I agree. I really like the stuff. I really like the stuff. That's like. Pretty much, oh, 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 and that, like, most of their shit was inside of, like, just a, um... A tailor shop. Yeah. Yeah. Tailor shop, I was like, oh my god. Secret gosh. underground base via a tailor store. It's very on the nose, and, uh, yeah, it's great. The stuff looks so good. You guys like it on the nose? I love the stuff. Spencer, what did you not like about this movie? Um, on occasion, it can feel, the, some of the action sequences can feel a little long, I, that's oh, not yeah. to say that the I don't church. like the action. I think the action is phenomenal because of how over the top and kind of goofy it is. But sometimes there are a couple of sequences that can feel a little overly long. Um, I don't like the fact that we didn't get super invested in a lot of the other characters. Like you, when you start going into this training montage, basically of Eggsy and the rest of the potential Kingsman recruits, you What's know, Eggsy, Eggsy, Eggsy. Eggy? No, Eggsy. Eggy. Eggsy. Um, I, like, you know that it's just going to be him and the one character he had a positive interaction with. You can tell that everybody else is going to fail, and you don't. not every movie needs to make you invest in all that sort of stuff because it, you know, sense of time and pace. But it's just like, we're just waiting for him to get, you know, promoted, to get inducted. And then in that sense, it subverts your expectations because he gets rejected. Um... But some of that sort of stuff, it's like you could have maybe reduced the character count a little bit and given us, given us more uh, in-depth characterization like they do for the rest of the actual Kingsmen, like Merlin, who is great. 
Like, you could have had a little bit more meat and potatoes on the rest of the potential recruits. Jacob, give us a positive and a negative. Butt stuff. <laughs> well, I have a negative. I'm trying to think of a positive that really stood out this time. I only watched it... I think when it came out, 2014, maybe 2015, some sometime after it, shortly after it came out, um, it really drove me crazy the first time I watched it that uh, Sir Samuel L. Jackson has an awful lisp. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, I love it, that. It's so good. The Pwithath? Crazy. The Pwithath. Because I know it's so fake. And oh, also, he doesn't drop his. Uh, Mother f Yes. That is a good point, actually. Also known as Samuel L. Jackson's uh, safe word. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I didn't realize that. I don't think he did that anywhere. No. That might have been the point. Was I was watching didn't. for it. Oh. Unless I missed it. I mean, yeah, that's interesting. Um, positive would be that it goes to different locations that are real pretty. So like it sounds the, like you're stretching, so you yeah. don't like this movie. I mean, it's all right. Nothing it's stood just, out to him. Yeah, nothing. I didn't remember much of it from my first viewing, and upon watching it again, I realized that I wasn't really missing a whole lot. Like, it's good on its own, but it's like right there next to Austin Powers. Wow. In, He's in, not wrong. In terms of watchability or rewatchability? Wow. I hold both of them in much higher regard than both of you, I guess. Not the biggest Austin Powers fan, but whatever. Such is life. So there you go. That's that's the big sad. Um, Colin, any further thoughts on mm. this movie? I mean, I'm. What I'm, should I'm, they have done differently, Colin? Not made it. Wow. What should they have done differently, Spencer? I think potentially another draft of the script might have been a good idea. Yeah, probably. I think in terms of like saying... physical filmmaking, I really liked how everything was done. Dialogue? I, not necessarily dialogue itself. I thought some of the dialogue, dialogue was exceptionally sharp on occasion. Some of the freaking zingers are awesome. And that might just be the fact that I like the dark, slightly British sense of humor. Yes. Um, that might be part of it. So what do you mean by uh, another script? Another draft yes. of the script. Okay. So, to, like I said, to... Just give, look over it again. To not make major structural changes, or not even necessarily to polish dialogue, but to potentially combine or remove or add characters to have fleshed out the... Nope. Like, I don't know, flesh out Eggsy's friends a little bit more. Like, they get three scenes in the movie. You have the one in the beginning in the bar, which you get a decent idea of how they are. There is, there is mates. They go drinking, and they stole a car together. Big whoop. Um, they're fine. And then you get one in the middle of the movie where they talk to Eggsy's mom for about three seconds. Oh. And then you have one at the end. That's really it. Like, who? they're fine, but I think those sorts of characters might have, because <clears throat> when you don't want to necessarily focus on one character, you can build up the characters around them to give you more characterization about them. So you could thusly strengthen Eggsy's character by telling us more about his friend group and the people he hangs around with that reflects on him. So I think doing that and doing more with Roxy and the rest of the recruits would have been a good idea. Jacob, what would you have done differently? I don't know. It just 
they set out, and I think that they made the movie that they wanted to make, and just they hit you. pretty close <clears throat> to the mark. But yeah, it's just not exactly my thing. So, <laughs> back on your point, though, before you so rudely interrupted before I even opened my mouth. <laughs> um, I haven't seen the sequels or prequels. Do they explore his friends anymore in those? All as right, far as you know? so I have not touched any of the comic series okay. for a greater context. Okay. Um, so the sequel movie, The Golden Circle, which is on our list of main topics in the future, um, has a little bit more of his friends, like nothing crazy. Just they hang out more. There's more time. There, I can't, some of it is spoiler-ish. Um, there's no major development. They're not, like, major players in the movie. They're just, they're there. They're his friends. So there's a bit more. There's a little more, more, but still not what you're looking for. Not, yeah. Okay. And there's more with Roxy, for sure. She's a major character in said movie. Uh, and the prequel, which is not out yet at time of recording, it was supposed to be around this time, and it got pushed until early 2021. Um, the King's Man is about the founding of the organization, the Kingsman. So I actually saw that trailer and was kind of interested, even though the original movie didn't tickle my fancy. So yeah, I am a little excited for that one. Yeah, that is not out yet, so I cannot speak on it. Although I would guess, uh, no, being set like a hundred years prior <clears throat> probably does not involve Eggsy's friends. Just saying. Maybe. I mean, maybe they're all interlinked by destiny to be the chosen one or something. Yeah. But pretty sure no. And there is a third movie eventually on the way. I think they're in the process of writing right now, but it looks like a lot of the relevant people are entangled with other projects. Very cool. Do we have any housekeeping that we would like to get out of the way? Um, I mean, not, not like a full housekeeping, <clears throat> just anybody who's listened this far, uh, apologies for some of the technical hiccups in the past few episodes. We're working some stuff out trying to manipulate things on our end so i must say last week's episode is not published as of right this minute but it is uh finished with all of its edits and polish and i s believe that it sounds quite crispy yes it does and hopefully this episode sounds the same because we have the same setup and if it doesn't sound the same i'm gonna lose my sh fair enough end of housekeeping um, Any final thoughts before I do the thing I always do at the end? I would say plug the socials, baby, and then we can tease next week and maybe include a butt joke. Uh, okay, so you can follow this podcast uh, on any platform of your choosing. We are on YouTube as well as every audio platform you can think of. Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Audible, blah, 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 all of them. What? YouTube, <laughs> Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Apple... Oh, you were serious about iHeartRadio? Yeah, we're on iHeartRadio. I was not updated to this. Yes, Colin. Previous episodes that we've made and said... Colin, you don't listen when we're talking. <laughs> that... um, okay. Yeah, you can visit our website at dimecomicbros.podbean.com. Also, follow, follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If we could get some Twitter followers, that'd be nice, because I would actually like to use that platform for more stuff than what I'm using it for currently, but with literally no it's audience. Find, it's hard to get a following on Twitter, I feel. Yeah, with literally no audience, except the two of us in this room and, like, two of our listeners, maybe. Mm -hmm. You know, spread it spread it around a little bit. If you guys have anybody in mind that you think might uh, this podcast might be interesting to, please spread the news. Um, also, yeah, visit... 
Also, feel free to feel free to visit Velveeta. our. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Also, feel free to visit our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Dime Comic Bros. We have a bunch of different fancy tiers, including stickers, topic voting, getting your name shouted out, which I will add, you don't have to do your legal name. You can do funny <coughs> names. So if you have any really funny names, just pay us just for that, please. Penis Man. X Lost Boy 69X. Pee yeah. Pee Poo Poo in the Bum Bum. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. As just to name a few. Yeah. You can do all sorts of crazy stuff with that, uh, as well as some commissioned art pieces by Colin. Um, so if you at least just give it a look, we're all broke here, so we understand if nobody can commit to anything. No hard feelings. Um. So next week. Next week, I don't want. Colin, do you want to do you want to tell us what I, we'll be doing next week? I don't want to say what topic we're gonna do next week. We are going to be talking about something that has inspired. Us for a very long time. It's very near and dear to, to our hearts to the point that it gets some of the people in this room off in a very sexual manner. Some of them, he means by one of them. Yes. And by one of them, we mean our host. No, we are not giving him that title. He's not our host. Thank you for... don't. We're all co-hosting. Goodness. Just because I Gosh. do the research and vet the agendas and... Corral Just because I do children. everything. <laughs> Just because I do all the technical work, it doesn't mean I'm hosting. Goodness. Uh, yeah, so next week we're going to be doing a full episode special, which I have not decided what the title yet. Um, actually, I, I, I do now that I just thought about it. Uh, so next week will be titled Dime Comic Bros colon The Snyder Special, which we will be just talking, mostly me if we're being honest, um, is going to be a real big special about the Snyder Cut of Justice League. So I want to say that, to, to defend Spencer right up front, this was not his idea. It wasn't. I hadn't thought of this, and I didn't necessarily want to do this. You're just like, do it. And I, I said, okay. I came up with this idea because I got some feedback from uh, some early listeners who had questions about the Snyder Cut and why Spencer was going on and on and on and on and on and on and on about it <laughs> and why it was so important. So I figured, hey... Maybe some listeners out there don't know all the ins and outs and special meanings to all the Snyder Cut references. That would also so, be why some of the Snyder Cut related news has slowed down over the past few weeks. Yes. Jacob has been yelling at me to stop talking about it Just so much. stop! But anyway, this episode will hopefully answer your questions about why the Snyder Cut is so close to Spencer's heart. So... Tune in next week. Yeah, so it's probably uh, not going to be longer than our normal episodes. In fact, I would like to make it shorter as a sort of starter. So if anybody doesn't, you know, want to share this podcast with their friends or family or loved ones uh, because nobody cares or whatever, you know, maybe, <gasps> hey, if somebody has questions about the Snyder Cut, we can advertise this as a little bit of a primer for people who are not as into the news or <laughs> not as... Uh, yeah, just not as well informed. So I will be. I have a lot of information which is collected and formatted. So you know, go over the history, um, why it exists, what happened, blah blah blah. Why it matters to the industry. Why it matters to me. Which will be a short section, so I don't drone on. Um, like you are right now. Yeah, I know. Um, and Wrap it, it up. will not just be me talking. It will be interaction between the three of us. I will be 
we'll be conversing beforehand, so it is a conversation, not just Spencer talking for an hour. Insert obligatory butt joke. Well, Ow. welcome back to my... the Dime Bros Podcast. What? Dime Comic Bros there Podcast. There you go. Oh my gosh, my gut hurts. Why do you have to be so funny? You have to redo that. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to start printing out paper notes pretty soon just so I can put my phone away and then I can yell at both of you guys for having your phone out when I literally don't and have paper. But I did touch us. Masochist. No. Just retard. Masochist. Just retard. He's masochist. You, you know how much he likes uh, hot sauce? I know. He's a masochist. <laughs> I know. It's because the hot sauce tastes good. It's because you like the the pain. <laughs> literally what it, it means. Colin, I like how you're recognizing things I knew like five years ago. <laughs> okay, pretentious <laughs> Okay. Wow. Man, you're just angry that I know more things than you. Yes! That doesn't make me pretentious. That just means no, I know different information. No, I'm just jealous. I'm just jealous. There you go. <laughs> Every time. I'm coughing, you bitch. <laughs> I know, but I can't help it. <laughs> That's gonna be a sample. I'm coughing, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> I'm coughing, you bitch. <laughs>